0: welcome to her story ireland's epic women a podcast dedicated to the women that shaped our history this podcast is brought to you by underground films epic the irish emigration museum herstory.ie and rte ahead of our tv series her story ireland's epic women and rte in spring 2020 This podcast is hosted by Dr. Angela Byrne, with additional storytelling from Tall Tales Podcasts.
1: Mary Agnes Walsh was born in County Monaghan in February 1821. She is now remembered as Mary Lee, one of the most prominent Australian suffragists but she also advocated on behalf of women workers and asylum residents. Following the death of her husband, a church organist, Lee and one of her daughters emigrated to Australia in 1879 to care for her terminally ill son who was already living there. He died within a year, but Lee remained in Australia, partly because she couldn't afford to return to Ireland and partly because she had grown fond of what she called Dear Adelaide. Freshly liberated from domestic obligations at almost 60 years of age, Lee threw herself into politics. She first became secretary to the Social Purity Society, lobbying for the Criminal Law Consolidation Amendment Act of 1885. This act raised the legal age of consent to 16 and the society credited Lee with this achievement. Australian historian Audrey Oldfield has described how a large and enthusiastic public meeting convened to institute the South Australian Women's Suffrage League in July 1888, rejecting any limitation of age or property on women's suffrage. Lee was elected co-secretary to the committee of 13 women and 15 men quickly proving herself a fiery orator and becoming the best-known champion of South Australian women's suffrage. Lee herself stated, If I die before it is achieved, women's enfranchisement will be found engraved upon my heart. Suffrage
0: and Beyond International Feminist Perspectives author Caroline Daly writes, From that point on, this tiny plump woman, five feet nothing, became the guiding force and principal speaker in the South Australian women's suffrage campaign. Appointed co-secretary of the Women's Suffrage League at its initial meeting, she had assumed all of the duty of the league secretary by the middle of 1889. As the Adelaide Press commented, her pen flashed through the land. The duties that she took on included not only the League's correspondence and reports to its meetings, applications for membership and collection of the annual subscriptions of one shilling, but also letters to the press, talks at drawing room meetings, deputations to parliamentarians and extensive addresses to the Adelaide Sociological Class, the Port Adelaide Democratic Association, the Itala Labour Party, the Democratic Club, the Gawler Literary and Sociological Society and the Hindmarsh Democratic Association in crowded meetings. In a piece entitled Letter to Women, published in April 1890, Lee refutes the idea that women did not want suffrage. She does not ask for it. Such is the forlorn hope in which all their pitiful so-called arguments being exhausted, the opponents of women's franchise are now fortifying themselves. Will not South Australian women join forces and storm this last miserable subterfuge? will they not unite and insist with an emphasis which cannot be misunderstood or evaded that it is their right as citizens of a young state which claims to be free that its women shall be free advance australia says our motto how can she advance when half of her people are dragging on their limbs the shackles of a system which though allowed to have been useful in a time of semi-savage progression is now in the face of modern enlightenment everywhere denounced as the clog and curse of all attempts of true progress. The old order changeth. Shall it be said that the old order has only changed hands? That the men who have done brave battle for their own rights will be content to leave women out in the cold? Forbid it, heaven, that such a stigma should, for the sake of a narrow-minded, selfish few, be branded on all, on the great-hearted good men who are so resolutely allying themselves with women in endeavouring to right this wrong. Truly, the bravest are the tenderest, the loving are the daring.
1: Lee was a suffragist, not a suffragette, meaning she preferred constitutional means to secure equality of franchise. She seems to have been less concerned about enabling women to run for elected office. She herself declined an invitation to run for election in 1895. Nevertheless, her emphasis on social justice and her concerns for working women posed a threat to the establishment. She supported the foundation of women's trade unions and was secretary to the newly formed Working Women's Trades Union in 1891-3. She visited the clothing factories in which women workers laboured, convincing employers with varying degrees of success to set union wages. She also distributed food and clothing to the impoverished.
0: It was Mary Lee who came in for most of the personalised mockery levelled at the suffragists, probably because she was their most prominent advocate, possibly because at her hesitant first appearance on the stage of public politics, she had become more forthright than most in her opinions of the opponents of female suffrage. She called one parliamentarian an idiot, and when the elected members of the United Labour Party voted in favour of the referendum clauses attached to the Suffrage Bill of 1893, she called them a lot of nincompoops. Anti-suffragists' responses were far less restrained, They countered with the couplet, Mary had a temper hot that used to boil and bubble, and ere the franchise she had got, it landed her in trouble. One member of Parliament wrote to the Adelaide Observer to explain, Poor Mary Lee! How does she froth and foam and stew and scold? I wonder if she manages her household in the same feverish style. Another Conservative opponent wrote to the advertiser to predict that, if Mrs. Lee obtains the power she desires and is permitted unrestrained to stir the seething cauldron of class discord, I may live to see her knitting, counting while the bleeding heads of the thrifty and learned fall beneath the strokes of the guillotine. By brute force, the best intellects removed, she may have scope for political experiments.
1: Lee corresponded with New Zealand suffragists who had achieved their aims of an equal franchise in 1892 and learning lessons from them, she organised a petition of 11,600 signatures from across the colony of South Australia in 1894. The 122-metre-long document was presented to the House of Assembly in South Australia in August 1894, while women swamped MPs with telegrams and filled the galleries of the House. In December 1894, South Australian women became the first in Australia to gain a parliamentary vote on the same terms as men. This was a landmark moment in the history of international suffrage and was achieved with both middle and working class support. It's important to remember, however, that neither male nor female Indigenous Australians would have equality of franchise until the 1960s. In 1896, Mary became the first woman appointed as an official visitor to asylums, a role that she conducted for 12 years with great compassion for the residents. Lee's activism was also recognised in her lifetime. On her 75th birthday, Adelaide Town Hall presented her with 50 sovereigns from public donations, and a public address praised her leading role in the suffrage campaign. Despite this recognition, though, her later years were marred by financial difficulties and her pleas for further public aid fell on deaf ears, despite the great personal sacrifices she had made during her decades of activism. She wrote to
0: Rose Scott, a suffragist from New South Wales, that her public work had been all her own expenses and that she was threatened with homelessness. In 1902, a public fund was launched to raise money for her support the subscriptions to it were meagre.
1: One biographer suggests that her sharp tongue and uncompromising attitude left her with few friends. And this is evidence that while women had secured voting rights, they were still expected to conform to certain behavioural norms. For Mary Lee, the paradox presented by the campaign for
0: votes for women and its logical extension, women taking their places in the Houses of Parliament, was the paradox of claiming equal rights with men while simultaneously recognising and promoting difference between men and women. Like many proponents of female suffrage, she believed that women and men were intellectual equals. Mind has no sex, she asserted, but experience has. The experience of the majority of women was the experience of working as wives and mothers, experience that emphasised essential bodily differences between women and men the experience of motherhood, for women. If woman is not intended for thought, action, heroism, why is she entrusted with the training of the race, with the education and bringing up of our children, she asked rhetorically. Mary Lee went on to draw analogies between the necessity for class-based political representation and the representation grounded in difference. How can men raised above the workers, living on a totally different social plane, hedged about without a show de free of wealth and privilege fairly represent working men, she asked. She answered her own question. They cannot think for working men because they cannot think as working men. They cannot think as working men because they are not working men. Thus, too, how can men represent women? Men cannot think for women because they cannot think as women. They cannot think as women because they are not women.
1: Mary died at her home in Adelaide in September 1909, and her tombstone bears the words Secretary of the Women's Suffrage League. Its understatement forms a sharp contrast with the passionate campaigning that consumed the last 20 years of her life.
0: This show was brought to you by Underground Films, Epic, The Irish Emigration Museum, HerStory.ie and RTE. Mixed and produced by Cassia Tall Tales Podcasts and presented by Dr. Angela Byrne. If you like this story, subscribe for more on iTunes and Spotify and check out our TV series, Her Story Ireland's Epic Women, on RTE in Spring 2020. Her Story's score composed by Scott Marr and Ushin Murray.